Welcome to the fifth season of The Coaching Cast, your working from home club. We're here to remind you that you're not alone, that we're in this together, all striving to make sense of today's working world. Regardless of where you're working right now or whatever you do as a career, we've got something for you here at The Coaching Cast. I'm Lisa, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader, and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo, which suffocates rather than advocate. And I'm Susie, coach and trainer at Future U Business Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a two-year-old who doesn't take too kindly to being questioned. In this podcast, we explore all the things impacting you, our CBBs, at work right now, presenting different topics each episode, which we will discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints and tips for you to take away and try for yourself, as well as having a few laughs, hopefully, too. We hope you enjoy listening. In today's episode, we are discussing moving past failure or setback, something we will all experience at some point. How do you stay committed, pick yourself up and move past it all to keep on going? We discuss alongside our top tips. So stay with us and enjoy. So Lisa, before we get into this week's episode, how have you been? Well, after the incredible highs of last week's special 50th episode, I've been really good. I so enjoyed last week. It was so fun. It was fun. It was lovely to have some of our CBBs join us for our very special 50th episode. It was brilliant. And Cara, Katie and Emma were all excellent. Such great guests. And we had such fun. So yes, no, it was it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Obviously, we had the slight trauma, though, afterwards. So we organised chocolate brownies as gifts to send to our ladies to say thank you for joining us on the coaching cast. And they were beautifully put together. They had thank you written on them. They were just lovely. But they went through the letterbox. And unfortunately, Cara's rather greedy basset hound decided that the box of goodies were for her and not for Cara and tore into said box of brownie and decided to eat the brownie. So I think at a certain point last week, Susie and I honestly thought we had killed a pet. Yeah. We thought we'd killed one of our CBeebies dogs. Yeah. So that was pretty traumatic because we love animals and (laughs) Susie and I both have dogs. And so we know the trauma of chocolate and a dog, the horrible relationship that they have. So we did have a moment of panic. There were a few messages exchanged, weren't there, Susie? And I had Susie going, oh my God, I think I've killed Cara's dog. So yes. So I'm so glad that Cara... And her dog are both well. Yeah, uh, the dog is fine. Everyone, the dog is fine. Everyone. We did not kill the dog. I mean, that would have been quite a way to mark our fiftieth episode, <laughs> wouldn't it? The fact we were like, "Yay, the high!" Oh my god! Now we're like literally the low. We've killed somebody's pet dog accidentally. Yeah. Mourning the loss. Oh god. Yeah. So thankfully, said bucket <laughs> hand as well. But that was a bit touch and go hairy. it was yeah. we had a few hairy moments didn't we yeah there? we did we did indeed when we were like scrambling trying to find the ingredients of these brownies i'm like messaging etsy sellers like how 
big is this brownie that you've sent because some of yeah. these dogs eating it. She was just like, who is this woman? Like, it's like what, what is, is the, the what was it? The question was like, what is the kilogram weight of chocolate that <laughs> exists in said brownie? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that was slightly traumatic. I was in London with my mum trying to manage those messages with you and then seeing the messages from Cara. And I was like, oh God. I was like, I don't know what's going on. So yeah. But no, thankfully, all is yeah, well. All but is well. And this episode is, well. is not going to be titled The One Where We Killed a Dog. No, like, thank God. Thank God. And we are very grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not entirely sure Cara would have appreciated that if we'd called it that, if that had been what happened. That's probably slightly bad taste, even for me. Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic episode. So if you haven't listened to it yet, mm. go. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> episode six season five it's got the best title I think we've ever come up with for an episode as well because it is a, a, a mash together of three brilliant bullshit bingos that our guests brought with them and it was the ultimate the ultimate so yeah please go listen to it it's good fun all about women and confidence that's what we were debating so yeah it was a really really fun episode but what about you Suze because after the recording and the drama of last week's recording last week you went away I did. I went away for a long weekend lovely. to North Wales. It was absolutely lovely. Um, so I wouldn't say it was a holiday because I went with children, my own, and then my friend uh, <laughs> had two children. So when you have kids, I'd say it's more of a trip <laughs> than a holiday because you still have to parent them and it's hard going when you're yeah. away from home. But it was a lovely trip. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I love that distinction. <laughs> I wonder if any other parent out there, any other parent who's listening Can relate. to us, do you relate? Do you not call it a holiday? It's a trip. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I certainly do because it was good. But I mean, I fair play to any CBBs out there who have more than one child. Like, my hat off to you. Yeah, it was pretty relentless. We had three boys with us. Um, but it was good. Like we had a lot of fun. The weather was good. So we went to the beach. We had fish and chips. We went to the arcade. We had a lot of laughs. Um, we drank quite a lot of wine. Uh, there was a hot tub at the cottage. So a whole lot. That was cool. We spent like me and my friends were in there. So yeah, it was really nice actually. Nice to kind of get away. We had the whole drama because I've got an electric car now, which we've talked about oh. before. We had to go in the electric car, but actually it worked out fine. Our friends also have an electric car. They're very only very like new into the electric car thing. And they were so stressed about charge. <laughs> and I was like, well, how many miles have you got left? They're like, we need to find a charger. We need to find a charger. I was like, how many miles have you got left? They're like 130. And we were like, well, how far is it home? They're like 89. I was like, so you've got loads of charge. Why are you so stressed about charge? <laughs> we're like living on the edge. It's kind of like our journey was like 114 miles. And we had like, 89 like we definitely needed to find a charger because we weren't getting home so we're just like oh yeah we'll find one it'll be fine they were just like not in the same they had stuff they were suffering a lot from the range anxiety that I've talked I was gonna say you in yeah. the range anxiety it's yeah. so funny but no it was all good we both made at home both parties made at home so that was the main thing um but yeah it was good so that happened also another thing that happened to me which um is shame like but in a, <laughs> no work shame parental shame oh so god a few people might relate to this but oh my god it was so embarrassing so on a friday i don't work fridays i have my little boy on a friday mm. and on a friday morning we go to a music class okay and um 
he's moved up into the preschool class now and because of how old he is and basically you get homework which is all you it's basically coloring so you get given a sheet with like um instruments on every week different instruments so this week there was like a flute and a saxophone I think I used to play the flute uh, I think we've talked about this before yeah. yeah I'm still waiting for that demo um <laughs> that you promised me anyway just call me Lizzo <laughs> I'm nowhere near as good as Lizzo <laughs> so um anyway I'd got said homework out in like following the music class and was like Arthur should we do the coloring um it's just like something to do one I think it was like one with one day in the weekend and he was like not interested. So I started coloring it in because I actually quite enjoy coloring, I find it quite therapeutic and I quite enjoy it. So I just sat there thinking, oh, he'll see me doing it and he'll come and join me and like he'll get involved. So anyway, I was like coloring in, he was not interested. He just wanted to watch Paw Patrol, which is his latest obsession. Um, so I think I was like, oh, right. And then I got distracted and I think I just went off and did something else. So then my husband packed it away because we were doing it on the table. I think we were like setting for dinner or something. Um, I forgot about it, right? Didn't really think about it. Anyway, we go to music the following week. It's like, who's got their homework? So I was like, oh, Arthur, you've got your homework. He was like, me. So he took his folder up to the class. So there's a class of parents with their children, all about like age three, four, et cetera. Goes to the front of the class. She's like, oh, I just need to, she's going through this folder of sheets, like colouring sheets. just find the latest one. She's like, oh, this was this week's um, homework. Pulls it out. It's my colouring excuse my language so I clear she clearly and so does the whole of the parents know that basically I have coloured that in Arthur has not and I'd forgotten that I'd done it right so I'm just sat there going oh no that's my colouring everyone now thinks that I've know that I've done that and put that in and making out that Arthur's done it like it's so neat Everybody knows to the point where parents started laughing and shaking their heads because they were like, she was like, oh, that's the teacher was like, that's very neat. That's very, very neat. Well done, Arthur. Look how neat that is. And I'm just like, oh my God, goodness me. I need the like this hole to kind of appear and swallow me up because this is so embarrassing, mortifying. But also the fact that I'd forgotten. And so I was just like, yeah, Arthur, take your homework up. Go and have like, go to the front of the class. Actually just to humiliate myself. Oh my God, it was so embarrassing. What did you do? Did you admit that you'd done it? No, because I just kind of laughed and was like, there wasn't really the, like it wasn't really the right opportunity to say, oh, that's me. Like it it kind of been and gone and then they've (laughs) moved on to the next activity. But everyone just thought I was an absolute. They just thought you were a big cheat. Yeah, basically, which I was in that context. But because I was like, I can't elaborate on this. I can't give the story behind it. Oh, it was so embarrassing. What did Arthur do then? Did Arthur just go, yeah, it is. I did that. Yeah, he just went, yeah. <laughs> like nothing. Like like she does this all the time. <laughs> so he didn't admit that you'd done it. He didn't no. go, no, my mummy did that. No, no. He was like, yeah, yeah, cool. I was like, oh, shame. You've set something up now. So everyone now just thinks I'm like a fraud. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to the, the homework. The colouring in homework at music class. So, yeah, that was quite shameful <laughs> and embarrassing. But oh, anyway, dear. so, yeah, this week's been quite eventful. Did that, nearly killed a dog and went on holiday for a weekend. So a trip even. A trip. You went on a trip. Went on a trip. So, yeah. 
So on that note, maybe today's topic is actually quite relevant, which is moving past <laughs> failure, failure and setbacks. setbacks. Yeah, good one. Right, let's crack on then. Let's go. I'm pretty sure you will all have heard of Joe Wicks, the nation's favourite PT, fundraiser, and the guy who got many of us through the first lockdown with his PE with Joe initiative. The media often suggests that Joe's rise to fame was overnight, but actually it was a decade of hard work that led to his overnight success. 10 years of overcoming setbacks, persistence and determination, all leading to the success of the body coach today. Joe is quoted as saying, many people give up on their dreams when it gets challenging, meaning they never work long enough to see successes coming in. So, Lisa, when I say failure to you, what emotions are conjured up for you? It is such a mixture. Like, I can feel myself wrestling with what I actually feel and what I feel like I should feel, which sounds probably a Mm. bit weird. But I mean, in terms of I've done a lot of learning and reading around failure Uh, as a coach but also as a manager in like previous sort of you know roles and looking at failure and how we should deal with failure and you know what is the right thing to do when it comes to failure but that doesn't always go to plan does it and I think that's where my mixed feelings come from there's a real tussle between what I actually feel and what I feel like I should feel and how I should be a bigger better person and, yeah. and it is also an element of truth in terms of actually, I do have a real conflict of emotions around certain examples that I have of where I failed. So I do get the feelings of shame and disappointment and hurt and, and pain, actually. I mean, I do think failure can be so painful. I don't really know how else to describe it, but there are also very quickly feelings and emotions of achievement and success and realization and which I will talk about a bit more as to like where does that actually come from so I'll bring my examples of my emotions to life but it is a real mixed bag Mm. what about you so actually very similar I think when I experience setbacks um my initial reaction, because I'm only human, as we all are, in my initial reaction is always like, oh, that's smarted. Like, yeah. like that's a great description. Oh, like, hurt a bit. Yeah, ooh. stings. Stings, that yeah. stings. Um, because I've got an ego, as so does everybody. And when our ego gets a little bit um, bruised, because we're not mm. successful at something, of course it's gonna hurt that's just natural and that's Mm. and that's real so I definitely go through a period first off where I'm a bit like oh 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 no like and I get a bit kind of angry sometimes or I get a bit defensive sometimes um and I can feel kind of a little bit enraged as well like yeah. if my husband comes in from work because obviously we work from home and something's like I've experienced something where perhaps hasn't gone the way I wanted he'll know that something's happened because I'll be kind of like storming around 
and shutting cupboards quite rapidly, like banging them shut. Like, what's happened? Because uh, I go through like this initial period of like rage, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, me just kind of getting it out. And then once I've kind of done that and gone through the motions of getting it out and airing it, I then go into a second phase, if we were to define it in that way, where I'm a lot more accepting and I'm a lot more in the headspace of being able to be like, okay, so what have I learned? What could I have done better? How can I, you know, take this to move forward? Which, you know, when you when you read about failure, especially famous people who've dealt with failure and setbacks, they, you know, rightly so, always talk about learning and growing from it. Of course you have to. I think let's be real. Certainly for me, there's a period before I get to that point where I am just like quite enraged. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think I know what I'm like in terms of I really hold myself to quite high standards. And I find actually that initial stage of emotion, reaction, and all that it brings quite difficult to deal with because I'm always in a rush in my head to get to the learning because I don't want to to be in that space, not just because I don't like the feeling, but because all I can hear in my head, I'm quite guilty of this, is myself berating myself for even being there and going, you're better than this, sort it out, stop being immature, stop reacting in this way. Right. Look, do you know, and I have found that, I actually find it quite difficult to be angry. I don't like it and I've criticised myself for it quite heavily because I don't think it's okay. So it's, it's, I find that initial bit really hard. Like, and actually I've had to learn to go, oh, sod it. Like you're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be disappointed. You feel all these things because you cared so much about it. And that's a good thing because you cared about it and that's a positive. So then don't then be so harsh to yourself when you didn't get it. Like it's okay to be disappointed and to feel like you've let yourself down. Like that's just natural and it's normal. And actually it's not very cool. I think to pretend it didn't you know, I, it's a real weird time for me. I do, I have to admit, I do like tussle. I get like a real like wrestling match internally around that bit. Yeah. But I, I think it is an element of just, I'm, I don't like being angry. I don't think it's very cool. And actually, I can't remember where I read it. It might have been actually, people are going to be like, oh, bloody hell, it would be nice if she quoted someone else. Um, I'm sure it was Elizabeth Day, my hero. Oh, I, um, thought, I thought you were going to say Brene Brown. No, I think Brene does talk <laughs> about it as well. She's my other hero, my heroines. Um, I'm sure there's a debate that they've had before, maybe not together. I think it's separately. I'm sure Elizabeth Day has, I think, in actually some of her writing that I've read about how women are not particularly comfortable with being angry and showing anger because of the criticism around it and the fact that historically, if women showed anger, they were deemed crazy. And it's that really archaic, very historic view of um, the out of control woman and how definitely like Victorian times, if women showed too much emotion, they were deemed as insane. And a lot of women were put into asylums for being emotional. So, I I mean, I can't say, for God's sake, I'm not saying that's where mine comes from, but I do have this connotation of being angry as being ugly and therefore wanting to avoid it I think 
Okay. And being out of control to some extent. But actually, I think what Elizabeth Day's point was is actually you can have controlled anger and it's okay. Like yeah. you're allowed to be angry and to show emotion and to express yourself. That's, that's quite normal. And again, it's that men do it. So why can't women do it? Men don't get called crazy if they do it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So when you experience setback, what mm. have been some of your experience, experiences around moving past them? So I think my most relevant story, and it is the story that has stuck with me ever since it took place, is when I studied for my coaching diploma back in 2015, this was, part of the assessment process to qualify was to coach individuals and to be assessed by a fellow coach uh, tutor who then deemed whether the standard that you were delivering was acceptable and in line with the school's expectations and that you were coaching in earnest and following the coaching principles and the code of ethics, etc. And I had to do three assessments for my diploma and I failed my second one. Now I had never failed anything to that point. So I'd managed to get to my thirties and actually not failed anything. I, I passed my GCSEs, my A-levels. I had high grades. I passed my degree. I got a high grade. I passed my driving test first time. There aren't many jobs that I've ever gone for that I didn't get, you know, I was one of those. And, um, even promotions internally there's only I, I mean there's only one or two times I think I've gone for a promotion and I haven't got it but they're not the failures that I think of because actually most of the time I didn't get them because I wasn't right already and I was quite accepting of that I actually just appreciated the experience but this I would say was the first time I would uh, I had done essentially a test and I'd failed a test and it was I remember it so acutely at the time because when it concluded the assessment that is you get immediate feedback from the tutor which was absolutely brilliant by the way timings wise it's spot on you want to know straight away did I pass or did I not and if I didn't what did I get wrong so that I can learn in the moment because I can relate it to exactly what has just occurred so your memory is so fresh and it was so painful so like as you described the smarting and the sting I think actually I remember feeling breathless like I was so like upset it was like like not the the wind out of me because I wanted to pass so badly because being a coach for something I wanted to do so badly and I wanted to be really good at it so to fail that second assessment was such a blow but it was an incredible experience because I would say it was my first what I would describe true experience of failure as an adult and it was a failure around something I really wanted and cared about. But the, the way I moved past it was actually partly in credit to my, me and my resilience, for sure. I'm not taking that away from myself, but the tutor's feedback was so helpful. It was so constructive, so objective. It meant a, a lot. Like I could totally understand what, what she was saying. I could totally see and understand what I needed to do differently. So I, as soon as I received the feedback, I went in the toilet and cried because I was at work, <clears throat> went into the toilet, had a good old cry. Always helps. Always helps. I needed to get the emotion out. I was so yeah. emotional. You know, it was a, it was a disappointment. I wanted to get all the disappointment out. And then I went straight back onto the coaching, um, 
system that we worked on as students and I booked in my next assessment and I booked it in for like two weeks later I was like I'm jumping back on that horse like I'm not gonna let this hold me back I'm not gonna let this ruin my feelings about what I can do I know what I need to do differently and I can do it because I'd passed my first assessment you know so I think it's so important to like get into perspective straight away whatever this failure is and understand it in the wider context of everything because I think that's some of the dangers we have when we fail in things is we get lost so quickly in that failure and it becomes everything and we use it to dictate who we are what we're about you know it was interesting because we did talk about that a little bit actually with the CBBs in last week's episode about our confidence and what can get in our way and I think that is something that us as females can do is and I have to really manage quite closely. I have to make sure I know that the failure is not determining everything about me. Like it's not, it's not a comment on me. So I literally booked the next assessment there and then, and I spent two weeks practicing, watching coaching demonstrations online. And I did the, I did the, the assessment again. um, And I passed it. So that's great because you have an opportunity to do this kind of second one repeat. And then actually I went on and did my third final assessment and I got a distinction. So, and I, I remembered going into that third and final assessment going, you know what you're doing, you know what you did wrong before, but you know, you managed to correct it. You know what to do differently now. You're going to be fine. And yeah, so it's, it's always stayed with me as it's one of the best lessons I ever had actually yeah especially my coaching career was failing at it (laughs) yeah because I've never forgotten it and it's it's really cemented actually a lot of the what I would classify as like the pure coaching process in my head and it's significant because I know why it's important and I know how what difference it makes when you get it right um but yeah so that that's my example of moving past the setback what's yours what do you have I think those just to touch upon what you said there like about some of those feelings I think some of those feelings do stay with you because they are quite powerful in terms of you know what you feel when you suddenly are facing a setback or a challenge of some description um I've had a couple of instances in my life actually like there has been stuff in my career but I'm going to talk about stuff outside of work Mm. one is when I was a child which has really stayed with me so I'll tell you a story so I was in junior school I think I was like in year five year six so about age 10 nearly 11 um and we had this gardening competition so we each had like a little plot of like um there was a, a gardening like bed outside um our classroom window and it'd been like carved up into little plots and we all had our own plots and the whole point of it was we had to plant some seeds and some plants and whatever make it look really nice and grow and then whoever had the best kind of like turnaround of this plot I think it was you know like one I don't even know what the prize is I can't remember anyway I think I went a bit half asked on doing this I think I put some seeds in but I didn't really like look after them I certainly didn't probably water them enough etc um but I was quite I remember I was quite confident that I'd done enough like I was like yeah this is gonna be it and then it came to like the judging of the the, the mini garden and obviously I hadn't done enough I like pretty much came last I think out of all of them so they were like ranked and there was about 12 of 12 different people 
And I remember being so upset, right? And being like, oh, I didn't get this. I didn't get what I wanted. Um, and I think as well, like my mum and dad said something like, well, if you win this, you can also get this extra treat or something. You know, like there was another layer to it. And I was nowhere near. And I remember feeling so disappointed um, and so gutted. But it also definitely sparked something in me around doing better. Um, I didn't know what it was at the time because I was only 10 years old, but it sparked something. Anyway, this competition came around again, say like three months later or whatever. And I worked so hard in making sure that this piece of basically like garden like bed looked beautiful and stunning like there was plants in there I remember I put some of that you know like that small fencing you can get like I'd put like some of that like tiny little fencing around it like as a border (laughs) anyway anyway I flipping one yeah I flipping one and I remember like the feeling of achievement that I'd kind of at the time, again, I didn't know what it was. I couldn't make sense of it. But now I look back on it and basically what I was experiencing was that I had moved past that setback. I'd taken those learns and I'd use that to propel me forward and do better next time. Yeah, I remember that as a child and it still sticks in my mind now because those feelings, I think, when I didn't um, win were so strong that mm. I was like, I don't want to experience that again or I want to yeah. make sure that I do better. Yeah. So there's that. And also, I think the other kind of thing as well is what now as an adult, I'm really not good. And this really like triggers me if if I experience failure or setback and it's personal. Mm. So actually, when I was qualifying for to be a coach as well, obviously, I did assessments, too. Um, And also when we work for ourselves, you know, you and I, we put stuff in all the time for jobs and we get a lot of no's. Yeah, that's just the reality of. Yeah. running your own business um and actually when those no's are based on the fact that actually you haven't got the right experience or you haven't got um this or you haven't got those skills or we're actually looking for this I'm a lot better at managing those and being like quite matter of fact about it and being like yeah that's fair enough that makes total sense yeah when somebody takes that and makes it personal and it's about me so whether that's about my character about the way I've turned up or my attitude or my response to something, it really, really bothers me. Yeah. And I find that so much harder to um, move on from. Yeah. And, the, and that goes back to my point initially, which was around when I'm in that situation or space, it takes me a lot longer to process it and get to that second stage of being like, okay, what could I learn from here? How can I grow moving forward? Because I, it's got personal and that yeah. I find that really, really challenging and difficult. Yeah. Which I think is totally understandable because actually that it's, it's that type of basis of failure that has been associated to who you are. That is the hardest because you are who you are and it's based on, a multitude of things and a multitude of time and experience and especially because I would like to think that you like who you are and so when someone doesn't then agree that's really difficult because absolutely you know that's really hard like I don't like being disliked you know I, I am a I am a bit of a people pleaser I know I am it's funny, actually. I am to an extent. If I don't like someone, I think it's fine. But I don't like it reciprocated. It's really weird. It's not, I mean, that's so double standards. It doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> um, 
but it is true but it's because I like who I am and I assume that everyone else will and if someone doesn't or if they say I'm not the right fit that's always quite hard to deal with that's quite and it can be quite painful because yeah you know there is an element I think of we all want to fit in and so that's quite difficult when someone says the door's shut on you like you're not welcome here and as I said especially when I think if you like yourself and you've been working hard on the perception of yourself outwardly, when someone then starts breaking it down, it's that's, you know, it's natural to then become defensive and natural to get upset about that because we all, you know, your, your natural instinct will be to protect yourself. So it's, it's really hard. So why do you think we often just want to give up then when things get tough? I think it is actually related to what I was talking about. And that is the yeah. view of others. It's um, like very few of us fail in private. You know, it's very public what happens to us when things go wrong, because we're in, we're interacting with one another all the time. And in the context of work, well, it's with other people. You don't work solely, you know, you don't really work solo. And when things go wrong, it's very unlikely that it's just you who experiences the failure. Like it's got an audience. I'm not talking about like huge audience, but not celebrities, not yet anyway. Um, <laughs> but you know, when, when you get something wrong, people are looking at you. And especially like when I think about, you know, even in that coaching example, but I didn't feel that way actually in that example, because I didn't feel judged by the f- person who was assessing me. I felt that they had my back. I do think that's part of why I, was able to move past that so quickly actually in many ways is I felt that the person failed me to help me yeah they had my back yeah now in lots of examples I've got (laughs) that was not the case so when someone failed me it was actually for their own gain which sounds really hard like sadistic I don't I don't know whether I even mean it like that but at the end of the day if you don't get a job the person who's failed you has failed you to get you out of the way because they want someone different that suits them better. So yeah, there is an element of what I'm describing there. But I suppose when I failed in a public environment in an organisation, there's people there watching because there are people there who did the interview. There are people there who were my manager that knew I was going for it. There's people around me who possibly even knew that I was going for it. And there is an expectation of all of them as to well, what's happened. You know, and you have to explain yourself to people in an, an element of that. And there is an element of judging going on you know, and you can't escape it. I don't care what anyone says. No one is completely non-judgmental. It's a lie. No one, you can't be. So I do think there is an element of giving up when things get tough because of fear and fear of failure and everything that that brings. Like we all focus in on the negatives. I don't think we focus on the fact of success. Like lots of us generally... I read this somewhere and I can't remember where I should get better at citing my references, but I think it's like natural human instinct is we have a stronger feeling to move away from things than towards. So when it comes then to opportunities, challenges, we are much more inclined to move away from them because of the potential for what's going to go wrong than rush towards it for the potential of what we're going to achieve. Yeah, well, we're trying to protect ourselves, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. So I do think it's got a lot to do with that. Um, and there are some of us, I think, who are not necessarily comfortable in our own skin. So there is an element of not wanting to push ourselves out of our comfort zone because we just simply don't like it. 
yeah or we don't know how to do it yeah either well that's there's that too and actually staying where we are in the space we've created feels better and safer but I would always challenge that in terms of you will never know that what you're doing is the right thing for you if you don't know what else is out there you don't know whether actually there could be something even better Mm -hmm. and I do this with things like my husband when he forces me to do outdoorsy things that I don't particularly like so I end up having to like you know scale mountains and stuff which could be quite honest is totally out of my comfort zone I like exercising but I don't like dangerous things same and so you know some of the stuff that we were doing in South Africa recently I wouldn't have probably willingly done some of that but if it wasn't for Dom going, think about how you will feel when you've reached the top, when it'd be an amazing achievement, when you've got to the top, the whole way up, I'm going, yeah, but what about when I break my ankle? Or what about when I fall off the side of the mountain? Or what yeah. about when we get to the top and then I trip over? You know, I think <laughs> I think about the negatives and the fact that they may have to get like the National Park Service of South Africa out to airlift me down. You <laughs> and winch you off. Yeah, whereas Dom's going, think about how amazing it's going to be when we get to the top. Think about how you're going to feel. Think about the view. I'm just like, all I was thinking about when we actually when we were climbing some of these mountains was the beer at the end. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that has got a lot to do with it. I do think as well there's an element of this will pass. Yes, like it, n- none of it. When things go wrong for us, they're not permanent. Not really. Not in. The, I mean, I'm saying this now, and I'm being a bit hesitant about it. I think in the context of like work, I'll keep it in work because. That is actually probably the truest of where that statement I've just said actually <laughs> lives. But yes. in a work situation, or even educational, actually, none of it's permanent. And there's very few situations, I think, where you don't have the opportunity to try again. And as I sort of originally said, I do think it's about remembering that it doesn't define who you are, no matter how you feel at the time. And doesn't matter how someone else potentially has made you feel at the time. It doesn't define who you are. And you have every opportunity to change that definition and to try again. You know, I I was thinking about it, actually, because a good example that fits into exactly what I'm saying is, you know, a couple of years ago, I applied to work for a coaching organization and I didn't get it. Well, I applied again this year and I got it. Now, that may also be because they've forgotten about me and they've misplaced that application from two years ago. (laughs) But... I I'd, like to think, very much. I'd like to but, think it's because I've grown and yes, got more absolutely. experience and I'm more relevant and useful to them now and equally maybe it's a bit they're better for me right now in my situation yeah it wasn't the right time before no but you see what I'm saying like you you do have the opportunity often to try again in in situations like work as I said I'm not talking about bigger wider things going wrong necessarily I know it's not applicable to everything but in general in yeah. the main I think you have the opportunity to try again and I think when you remember that, I know that takes pressure off me to kind of go, maybe it's not right now. Maybe it's a not yet. But back to that growth mindset that we love from Dr. Carol Dweck. Maybe it's a not yet. It's not a never. So I do think that's important to think about. Yeah. So what would your suggestions be then to help our CBBs in how they manage setbacks? I think probably the first thing is do better than I do, which is sit with it feel it all and allow yourself to be angry to be upset to be frustrated like it's completely okay it's totally natural and completely normal so I think that's got to be the first one is just sit with that emotional state for a while you know 
fair enough sit with it in a place where you feel safe and comfortable to do so and I know for me I have to be on my own I don't want anyone around me um because I don't have to explain it you know or apologize for it either I mean that's really important so I would definitely say that's number one I do think when you're ready is talking about it with somebody I do really benefit generally from talking about most things because I do want to get out of my own head and I want to be able to talk it aloud and it actually helps me to get perspective on it to hear it out loud because as soon as I hear myself often I'm like just doesn't matter like this is this isn't this is it's not a big deal but when it's in my head it feels massive so I do really appreciate talking about it and being able to review it at the same time um again I think you know make sure you do that with someone you feel comfortable and who you trust because don't do it with anyone who you feel the opposite with because you'll just get stuck in that place of being judged and like I talked about like having an audience with your yeah disappointment and that's not very nice um and then I think it is about reviewing it in terms of like what has happened and what can I learn from this you know there will always be opportunities and failure to be better you will learn things about yourself there'll be things you'll do differently I think many times when I've failed at something I've acknowledged that I wasn't good enough on the day and I wasn't or I wasn't the right person or I didn't have the right skill set or I took the wrong approach or I didn't prepare well enough like it's, I can't really think of a time when I didn't do very well at something and I couldn't pinpoint it down to my own actions. Mm. You know, you are going to have those instances mm. when you don't get the job and it's because the face fit, didn't fit. Like, unfortunately, that's life. It does happen. It's bloody annoying. But I'm actually quite accepting of that because I just think, well, if this one wasn't right for me, there will be another one that is. I just, yes. you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I do think part of my learning tip is take action straight away. Like, I do think taking action of any kind is only ever a positive and it helps you to immediately move out of the space that you're in and the the last action you took and on to the next thing. And that really helps me. So I would definitely recommend that as well. Definitely. To build off that, when you talk there about reviewing, like the situation, I think also just in this, like, world society that we live in now everything is instant Mm. you know we have instant uh messages and marketing on social media our need for instant um kind of I don't know tv instant everything do you know what I mean it's like the word of the world right now but actually when you think about it and you look back on those stories about Joe Wicks when you think about some of the stories around some other kind of Oprah Winfrey for example like she um, got went through a number of rejections before she got to the point where her kind of career exploded. Um, they do feel, you know, potentially when you're talking about celebrities, can feel like a little bit unrelatable, but actually they all started somewhere yeah, and they totally. have all been through, you know, a path themselves. I sometimes find reminding myself of that actually quite helpful that mm-hmm. um, it's not just me that everybody, whether they talk about it openly or not, everybody at some point will experience some form of setback or failure, however you want, whatever you want to define it as. And that is totally normal because I think if you don't, then actually that in itself isn't great because you don't ever then learn. You don't ever then get to grow and develop. And so just reminding yourself of that bigger context, if you're, when you're in it, can be hard to do, but I think can be really, really helpful mm. in helping you kind of move forward. Absolutely. 
It's time for this week's workplace shame. So this is where we share an embarrassing workplace story from one of our listeners or one of us if times are desperate. Luckily, today is not one of those times because <laughs> my stories are becoming more and more inappropriate and not a good idea to support my career. If I share them. <laughs> so <clears throat> this week, we actually have a listener story. So I'm going to read this story out. So this person's story is based around a customer meeting. So they worked in an organization in quite a senior position, I think, from the description in their story. So a senior manager position, they were attending a customer meeting with a member of their team. So this was an important customer of theirs, and they were discussing a review of their account with said business. Anyway, they're sitting around a circular table in a meeting room. And this individual, our listener, starts feeling a little bit sniffly. So I believe, yeah, I believe from the description, it was summer. So they had hay fever, which actually okay. I'm struggling with at the moment. Um, anyway, they, have, they were getting a bit sniffly and they didn't have a tissue. So we all, we've all been there. You're in a situation. It's a small room. It's only a small table. There were only three individuals. So it was this person, the member of their team and the customer sitting around quite a close environment. So this is clearly pre-COVID and they've got sniffles but they've got no tissue so they're sniffing away and then all of a sudden they blow out of their nose slightly so they do a motion is all I can get across on the microphone (laughs) anyway a bogey flies out of their nostril and lands right square in the middle of this table in front of the customer and their team member oh my gosh they're unable to do anything about it without making it too obvious but clearly everyone has seen it everyone has seen this bogey fly out and land in the middle of the table and they just proceed to continue with the meeting (laughs) with this bogey in the middle of the table oh this is so I'm actually cringing in my it's awful (laughs) this is I'm literally retracting in my body language like this is awful (laughs) this is shame it's so bad it's so bad. And then they just conclude the meeting by the sounds of things from what they've sent to me. They just conclude the meeting and they conclude, they leave with that bogey. Just Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness, mate. Oh. oh, my God. That's such an awful shame story. But a good shame it's story. It's a really good one. For thank you feature. so much. But thank that. you so much, CBB, who sent that in. Uh, I know you've asked to remain anonymous, which is fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's only suitable. So, yes. So if you have a workplace oh. shame that can possibly contest with that one, then, um, yeah, You're all please, welcome here. <laughs> yeah, please, please do send it through to us. Um, just email it to hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk. Or remember, you can always message us directly on Instagram by searching for The Coaching Cast. And don't worry, all workplace shame stories, apart from Susie's and mine, will get kept anonymous they'll get the vip treatment we don't get that unfortunately (laughs) it's now time for bullshit bingo where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace which quite frankly make us cringe and we think is a load of bloody nonsense so this week our bullshit bingo came from one of our followers on linkedin 
um, who have actually been brilliant at supplying us with bullshit bingo. So thank you very much to the LinkedIn crew. Yeah, and keep them coming. This one is singing off the same hymn sheet. <laughs> so, Suze, what do you think of this one? Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. And the oh, yeah. stars, wherever he may be. That's a good one. Lord of the dead says, Wherever he may be, there we go, a little song entourage there. Oh my God, all these hymns I only remember from primary school. Yeah, there's so many Yeah, I used to sing a lot of hymns at school. Oh yeah, I went to a Church of England primary school. And I was also a brownie and a girl guide. I did a lot of church activities and I played the flute. I actually think I was in the local church band at one point. Wow. What a CV. I know. Who would know? All my skills. All my skills. I have so many. Yeah. I used to I used to do girl guides on a Sunday. So many times did I have to hold the flag and walk down the uh, church. Yeah. Well, I bet, bet you did a lot of singing off the same hymn sheet then. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't very good, but... Yeah, my my auntie is also a vicar as well. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Vicar. Yeah, yeah, she's a vicar. She's a vicar in Herne Bay in Kent. Shout out to Carol. Yeah, my auntie big, Carol. Big love to Auntie Carol. Yeah, auntie Carol, she's a, a rev. Actually, I never know if I get her actual religious title correct, but I think Reverend Reverend Carol Smith. I think it's that's right. Hang on, let me just check her out on Facebook. I think it's Reverend oh, Carol Smith. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm sure she will definitely love this bullshit bingo then, singing off the same hymn sheet. Yeah, she probably um, won't like the fact we swore, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although um, I always say this, do people of the cloth despise swearing or do they not swear as well? <laughs> she, oh no, sorry, vicar at Church of England. It was vicar. Okay. Okay, fine. Sorry, Aunt Carol. But have you used this bullshit bingo? Oh, without context? a doubt. I'm sure I've said singing off the same hymn sheet. I mean, like for someone who's not religious, but obviously has had quite a religious career. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely used this. I've used this. I think I've used yeah. it in a family context. I think this comes up in the home. Wow, really? I don't think I've ever used it in a home context. <laughs> or maybe it's just my house. I'm sure my family have used yeah, it. I'm sure my mum said. Auntie no, Carol maybe. was round. Maybe. My, I'm, sure my, I'm sure my dad's used it. I think <laughs> even my mum's used it, singing off the same hymn sheet. <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely used it's it. It's quite a classic one. It's a classic. This is, this is historical. This has historical mm. relevance. Yeah, it's got a lot of gravitas against it. It's a big one. It's a classic. It's up there. I think Some it sits the in the English like vocab. Yeah, absolutely. So if you've got any bullshit bingos that you hear it work or come across, we need to hear from them because hear from you sorry because we've only got two episodes left of this season yes we've already got any episodes left we're nearly at the end we're going to start planning season six so get them in to get your bullshit bingos featured in season six we are coming to the end of today's episode where we have discussed moving past setbacks or failure our top tips and recommendations from today's episode are number one feel all those feels sit with those emotions and just be with them let them happen let them come let them move away but actually just kind of let it happen because then you'll find it easier to transition to that second phase which I talked about in terms of okay what can I now learn from this situation top tip number two 
talk it through with someone who you trust. I am a massive advocate of this. I do this a lot. I like talking things through with people I trust. And this can really help you get out of your own head and just kind of make sense of the situation. So that is our second top tip. Number three, review the situation and identify the learnings and then take action immediately. So think about Lisa's story with her coaching assignment. She took action pretty much immediately and rebooked doing it, took the learnings, off she went past second time. Absolute winner. So think about how you can review and take the action to move yourself forward. And top tip number four, remind yourself of the bigger picture. Seek out those stories, whether that's the story we shared today about Joe Wicks and his rise and uh, setbacks he he encountered uh, with the launch of the body coach, but also stories we talked about Oprah Winfrey. There's loads if you Google them, but seek out actually some reassurances that everybody goes through failure and setback. And that is totally normal. So do not worry. We also have some self-coaching questions that you can ask yourself. Number one, what do you need to let go of? Number two, what positive feedback would you give yourself right now? And number three, what would you do if you had no fear? Don't worry if you can't remember all of these top tips and self-coaching questions. They will be on our Instagram page at The Coaching Cast this week for you to refer back to. We really hope that you've enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us in three ways. On email at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. And finally, you can contact us through our website, www.thecoachingcast.co.uk. Your support helps more than you know. So if you like what you've heard today and would like to help us grow this podcast, please do us a favour. Leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. You have no idea how important these are. Hit subscribe wherever you listen and give us a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. Don't forget, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel by searching The Coaching Cast. In next episode, we are really, really excited to have a guest joining us who is going to be teaching us a hell of a lot about things that we don't know and that we hope you find useful too. And that is Danielle Thompson, who's going to be here discussing what corporate social responsibility means in today's world and what it can look like for small to medium businesses. Danielle's going to be talking to us about B Corp. So I'm really excited about that. I know. (laughs) We're going to learn more about it. Absolutely. And this is a subject which came through from you, our CBBs, when we asked what topics you would like us to cover for this season. So we're really excited for this episode, which will be out next week. We both love music and use it to motivate and energize us. So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next meeting. It's my choice this week, and I have chosen Blue, Haven't Found You Yet, which is their (laughs) brand new song from 2022, and it is so good. You are such, and you're so 90s, 90s, it's so hilarious. 
Blue is basically the soundtrack to my uni days. I was obsessed with them. I still really? I, love I did them. not know this. I've learned something new about singing. And they've got a brand new single out. Haven't found you yet. It's really good. It was also Song of the Week last week on Radio 2 because I'm an avid Radio 2 fan now. So, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> guys, you need to go and check it out. Honestly, it's actually really catchy. Oh, God. <laughs> what, is she, what is she doing to us, everyone? We're now all <laughs> listening to Blue. She's ruining my street. Group. Yeah. No, do it. I didn't have any, but... <laughs> Thanks for listening, CVBs. Have a great week. And remember, you've got this. Hold up. 